I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. Actors have a pretty cush life. Like, it's a pretty easy life. Entrepreneurship is way harder than, <laughs> than an act. You really have to take a look and say, I'm willing to do this because it's not for everyone. Recognize that voice? I bet you do. It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sarah Michelle Geller, and she's getting into the consumer brand space. As a co-founder of Foodsters, a baking line company that wants to bring everybody in the kitchen together, Sarah Michelle's learning there's a huge difference from being a celebrity spokesperson and running a company day in and day out. Luckily, she has co-founder Greg Fleischman, a food veteran, by her side. The whole brand has been about helping people connect to themselves and the ones they love. And in 25 minutes, you feel like you've created something. And it's an extremely rewarding experience. Not everybody can get these things sent to your house that you make or they can afford that, you know, or uh, they want everything that's ready to eat. You know, sometimes you want to get back in the kitchen and feel like you created it. It makes you feel closer to the food that you're feeding yourself and the ones you love. Find out how Sarah, Greg, and third co-founder Galit Labo learned to run Foodsters as a trio without killing each other, the challenges of selling a baking brand to people who don't bake, and where Foodsters plans to expand next. Unfinished Biz starts now. Robin, I think we have a really exciting episode coming up with Foodsters. They started with a premise that we're hearing quite often, which is taking something that's been around for a long time and adding a new spin. And in this case, it's revolutionizing Betty Crocker. But instead of adding some type of functional benefit like we're seeing in many brands, such as infusing it with protein or removing something, calling it gluten-free or, or some other free-from-dynamic, they're building it around an occasion. Well, one of the things I actually really like about the brand is that they really aren't just focused about convenience. We see so many brands out there that are all about sort of easy snacking, eating on the go, things of that nature. And they're telling us to slow down a little bit. It's not so much about going out and buying a cake. It really is getting the family around to bake the cake together and celebrating these really special moments. And I think there's a certain nostalgia to that, um, that they're really communicating in a great way. Speaking of celebrating the moment, Robin, we were with two out of the three founders from Foodsters. Unfortunately, Galit couldn't join us, but Sarah, Michelle, and Greg could in our VMG offices in L.A., where Buffy the Vampire Slayer told us how she started slaying baking mixes. You know, it's funny. I've never really thought about it before, but I guess my old career was somewhat similar to entrepreneurship when you think about it. You know, I started on a television show on a network that nobody knew about that had very little... Um, clearance across the country. It was, you know, something no one heard of and a show based on a failed movie. And we sort of built a show, a network, I guess, in a sense, it's sort of an early test run of traditional entrepreneurship. Um, but my road to traditional entrepreneurship came about three and a half years ago when I realized that being a celebrity, you could do so much more than just the niche that you were originally set in. And I've always had a head for business and I always wanted that that tie to creating something. Even when you produce something, there's so many studios and producers and networks and everyone gets a say and it's never, the finished product isn't what you set out to make. And I think for me, in terms of this business, is when we come out with a product, it is blood, sweat, and tears, our vision. And it's take it or leave it. And I, I think it's a control thing for me, maybe. But before Foodsters, were you involved in any other CPG product-related companies or brands during your, no, your I mean, I was a spokesperson, act. but that's entirely different than right. being an entrepreneur. So no, this was my first foray into leaving the spokesperson world behind and actually becoming the uh, creative, the business, the the entire enchilada, as they say. So Greg, when did you leave your spokesperson role at, at Kashi? And, what, <laughs> and where, did that, where, did that, where did that take you from there? I was in a TV commercial, first national TV commercial. You uh, were? Yeah. Akashi? Really? Yeah, we created you know, the People Akashi campaign. Wait, is that on YouTube? No, no, you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> you can definitely find it. I That's, will be finding it. It's always, it's always somewhere. Do, 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 do. It's really, I know exactly. It's really embarrassing. Uh, uh, 
No, I, well, I le- when I left Kashi after 14 years, and there were eight years of that with Kellogg, which was a great rate run, but I was at the time getting wanted something more, and um, went over to Coke, and they just bought Fuse mm-hmm. and Nas, and they were like, "Hey, can you make this into the Kashi of uh, or for Coca Cola?" So um, I went there, and then it spent a few years there, and then uh, wanted to get back to the West Coast and went to Samazon yep. and tried to re- you know repeat history with. Uh, Samazon, who was an emerging brand with a great point of differentiation. And in San Diego ever since then, right? Uh, San Diego since Kashi, and then yeah, say, uh, yeah. a few years on the East Coast with Coke, and then back to California. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to leave California. Look at this gentleman. I mean, for those people who can't see him, I mean, this is a California man. I mean, just a prototypical surfer. Um, hoodie. Hoodie. Yeah, Padre's right. hat yeah. on. Dirty, sandy, blonde hair. That's perma- right. Permatan. Rolled in with your surfboard. Huge muscles. <laughs> with my shirt and, off. and flip-flops. Now, now everyone's going to be uh, going to that YouTube clip, by the way. <laughs> this could not be a great question. Maybe a quick little brief history just getting into some of the other brands you've been a, a part of prior to Foodsters. Yeah, so, well, after Samazon, I then started up uh, Purely Righteous Brands, which was a, a, an agency designed to build out uh, startups in the green space, working on some late-stage stuff. Um, Kashi, ironically, when it moved back to San Diego. And uh, there's just an addiction to helping brands accelerate and uh, make a difference in the world. And that's what is very alluring, that when you can do good with the brands that you work with and it can um, challenge you in, uh, in very meaningful ways, then that just is something you want to do all the time. And some of the brands you were working with included Suja and a number of other brands? Or? Yeah, Chameleon. Um, you know, Yeah, quite a few of the other brands in the space. Rebels, one of them that we're really excited about. And yeah, we, uh, you know, when you go into a Whole Foods and you can look at all these different categories and brands that we've worked on. It, it's really awesome, you know, to, to think that you're changing the world through all these different brands and helping them succeed. Also, there's just a social sh- service aspect to it too of uh, knowing how difficult it is to start up brands. Um, it's a very, uh, although it can be at the end something you find just an amazing thing, but it's very grueling and in the early stages. And anything I can do to help out. I've enjoyed. What's the specific aspect about sort of, is it working with founders? Is it sort of being part of the, the origin of a, of a brand? Like what, what aspect of it really kind of drives you? Uh, you, you know, I think about, you can relate it to some sports. It just draws on every single skill set that you have, uh, interpersonal, strategic, creative, um, lots of long, it takes a lot of, uh, strength and stamina. So you really, you know, to be, Working in an entrepreneurial startup environment, you have to be best in class, I think. So that is fun when you're constantly working all your different skills and all your different muscles. That uh, can be very rewarding. Working with – I am uh, I think of founders as celebrities and rock stars in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that can come up with these ideas that are meant to change the world is super inspiring. I'm in awe of it a lot of the times. I think For of sure. uh, GT's uh, – GT Dave, uh, GT's Kombucha. Uh, the origin story, the fact he created and really blew out the space and continues to own it today is, to me, very inspiring. And I think uh, that's primarily, you know, working with founders and things like that that is very alluring. So bummer that we're, we that Gleep wasn't able to join yeah. us today due to strep throat. But um, how did the three of you come together? Well, I should, on Gleet's mm-hmm. behalf, speak a little bit. So Gleet. Uh, started her uh, career in PR on her own. She founded an extremely successful uh, PR firm. She started initially in celebrity PR, which is how we initially knew each other. And then when she had kids and her life changed, she sort of moved more into that space. Uh, Restaurants, clothing, um, anything having to do in that space. And it was when she was on her extremely uh, short maternity leave with her second child. (laughs) And she was looking for something to do with her older child. And her older daughter was really in awe of all of those cooking shows that were on. It was a big movement we were seeing in, you know, Junior Chef and World's Best Baker and Cupcakes. Mm -hmm. And her daughter really wanted to to do that. And Galit had absolutely zero skill. And at the time, she went on Pinterest. And uh, she was so overwhelmed. And she thought, there's like no way. So she went to the store. And uh, she looked on the shelf and, you know, we live on the west side of Los Angeles. You think we have access to all of these, you know, better for you, better options. And she was sort of flabbergasted to realize that it was still these legacy brands right. filled with chemicals. And she was like, I'm not feeding that. And mm-hmm. um, 
our kids want to have a play date, and I'm extremely crafty, but I, I also was not particularly <laughs> in the kitchen, and I was like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, let's let's figure this out. Like, let's yeah. make something. And that's when I think Glee saw the bigger picture, and she started to really look through the category and said, this is interesting. This is a $7 billion category that's dominated with an 80% legacy share from these companies that haven't innovated, that haven't stepped up with the times, and why is that? I mean, and you go into these our friends' houses, and it's everything is organic and better for you, and then they have these legacy red and blue boxes boxes because right. we're just sort of, you know, that's what we have. And so that's when she initially came up with the idea. And uh, I joined her then and there, and we really started to shape it. But we realized that the key piece that we were missing yep. at the time was someone that had experience, that had, who was the superstar rock star that could come in and guide us in a world that we knew nothing about. Um, and then that person wasn't available. So uh, we got Craig. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The first um, 10 people were That's <laughs> No, it's funny. We, we asked around and, you know, we're like, we, you know, this is, we're really serious about this, but we need someone who is right. going to, you know, we're not going through the traditional playbook. Like we want to rewrite the playbook. We, we don't – we want to do things differently. We modernize. And every single person we spoke to said, you got to get Greg Fleischman, but he'll never do it. And uh, Galit and I can be extremely persistent when we uh, – Challenge accepted. Yeah. And here <laughs> you got, he is. You got the celebrity of the natural food and beverage world in Greg Fleischman. Oh, we did. The, I like uh, to call him the Buffy of the uh, <laughs> world. He start, slays it. Nice. Can I start calling you that? Spit right? take. Yeah. Oh, good. Buff, Perfect. Buffiest. <laughs> That's right. The buffest. <laughs> nice. The, uh, yeah, I remember the day that I got the, the first call, and I was like, ooh, this is cool. I mean, I... It felt like I, I bet that's not what he said. He was probably like, "What?" Well, I, I, there were a couple. Of, like, I, I remember it because it was like going on three years ago, and uh, you know, I felt like I had done everything at the time, and I'd been on the road just nonstop. And mm-hmm. you know, at, at the time, you know, I had a, a three-year-old and a five-year and a you know eight-year-old, and I uh, felt like, okay, well, if I'm going to do something, I want it to involve my kids, which is amazing. If you can go deep on a business and have your kids so much a part of it, then. Uh, it becomes more fulfilling, and I know you feel less of the parental guilt. But I remember talking to them, and they were checking all the boxes. You know, very, uh, you know, it was a space that I hadn't spent a lot of time in. I was like, awesome, let's reinvent the space. It's time. Hit close to home and so personal. And then, uh, what year was this, by the this way? This was in uh, well, it started 2015. Okay. was when we first started talking, and uh, at the end, 2015, we started talking, and and then you know this great idea and great vision. Um, behind it, so you know, a space that needed reinvention, and then, and then this really great innovative idea, and then it was about the team. And uh, I always say that, like you know, if you're looking for what is the prototypical entrepreneur and founder, uh, you want to look at, at Sarah Michelle and and Galit. They've got it all. The total package. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to go into building a business and be continue to be away from my family and 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 you know make other sacrifices, I've got to do it. Uh, with people that I know are the best in class. And uh, thankfully, these partners are like that. And then I remember we were like going through negotiation and talking, and Galit was you just. You never want to negotiate with Galit. <laughs> she was hammering. She was hammering. I mean, I used to be such a great negotiator, and then she was hammering him. I was like, what's happening? You know, and then I, I knew that, okay, well, if we're going to go do. And build a business, right. then that was a capability that you you really right. would want. You, guys, you, you know, she's going to bring that game elsewhere too. I mean, she is right. Yeah. And he's right about involving our children. I was you were here yesterday, but um, it turned out as all entrepreneurs do, I lost track of all schedules, and my daughter had a day <laughs> off, which I found out when I drove her to school, and there was no one there yesterday. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh god, what am I going to do? And so I said, well, you're coming to work with me, and I brought her to work, and we're testing like the next few kits, and what, we do like to have our family test them. And so she sat there all day, and she tested the next three months them all herself and sat there and I kept asking do you want me to find you a play date do you want someone right. no no she stayed all day yesterday and tested the next three kids I mean you know the, I mean, one of the busiest days always the, the bring your kids to work day and I think it's, it's such a it's such a fun day for for both sides to see you know the take away the mystery of what happens um, at work each day but how do you guys think about your role so when you guys came together how did you think about how you divided up responsibilities and who was going to handle what I wish we were better about dividing up the work. It's the one thing that we're not the best at. And if someone said, like, what's your greatest fault in a company? It's probably that. 
and it's selfish. It's the three of us really like to do stuff together. Um, a little bit of the type A personality and the control, but it's also just that we bounce ideas off and we work really well together. So we're not great at sort of utilizing the fact that we have three founders in that yep. sense. So if we have a sales call, all three of us will go. Or if we're having a brainstorming session, all three of us will do it. Every once in a while, we'll be better about delegating. But I would say that's, I mean, it's not really a flaw, but it's probably the thing that we're worst about is, is yeah. splitting up the... There's a little bit of FOMO. And then um, <laughs> and then also we are type A control people, which all good entrepreneurs, I think, are. Um, you know, let go in your 50 million, right? In revenue, it's okay, but we're still early stage. But yeah, I mean, we try and leverage each other's strengths, I think. We do that naturally. Um, Sarah is the best copywriter, I think, ever. It's just, what takes me or probably other people hours she does in like five minutes, which is kind of annoying, actually. Um, great lines and things like that. And then, um, you know, we, we all go on sales calls together, which has helped as we've landed distribution at places like Kroger and Target and Starbucks. Um, even and, op- and off-cycle, I was going to say, that's the other key, too, is we've landed this distribution off-cycle. One of the things yep. that I, I didn't realize, and, you know, again, coming from a totally different space, I that's didn't right. realize that... You know, there's only one time a year where they right. reset these supermarkets, and 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 I don't no, we're, we're ready now. Let's do this. You know, <laughs> and so um, we've sort of been really. I w- I don't want to use the word lucky. I just think that we've had a great story and a great product, and I think that these stores have realized that it's time for a change, and have been willing to take those risks with us. And yeah, partner with I, us. I completely agree. It's not luck because I you know I think of you guys as a trio, and I think it's you know what you just described is what as an outsider, I know we see is that. You guys are out there hustling each and every day as a trio. It's not like, hey, you're the one that's going to go uh, make the public's call. You're, um, I'm going to be the one that's going to do market activation. You guys go out there. You guys do it together, and it's a team effort. And you know, from what I hear, you guys are there's, there's no there's no no's out there. You guys don't leave till there's a yes. And, and, and to we date, literally do not leave immediately until we, and, <laughs> until we get fees waived. And, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes it involves Greg signing autographs in the lobby of a Target. Yeah, but you know what? You do, you do what you got to do. He is do. the buffest. The, yeah. Yeah. But I would say, I, I just, you know, I think it's clear is like when you're starting up, I think it's okay and you brace overlap. Yep. Um, we're in each other's business and it's, and it's working. And then, and don't fight it. And then over time, we will naturally have a greater division of duties. And we're having discussions. Sarah Michelle is the one who brought it up that said, hey, look, we're getting to a point now where we really need to carve out and divide and conquer and that sort of thing. It'll help us be more efficient, more effective. And uh, we're having those discussions. And you can see it as a natural progression. You know, uh, um, you know, we're gleetal take on parts of marketing and finance. I'll do ops and sales. And then Sarah's doing innovation and all branding. And it's just kind of naturally playing into the strengths and desires that, that each one of us has. Um, but, you know, I, I see some uh, entrepreneurs and some companies uh, dividing too early. Yep. And or delegating too much too, too delegate. early. And they, I mean, there are brands I won't name that are yeah. under. Wait, you can delegate stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We are, really? Yes. That's why we have 40 people working. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's a time. We have people that work for us? <laughs> it doesn't seem like Wait, that what? sometimes. Wait, what? Your, um, your, your daughter? That, oh, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Chief, uh, chief uh, taster. That's under the table. That's right. Right. But they talk about, you know, if you do if you do it too early, then you get disconnected. You create these layers and then you lose some of that magic too early. So we're, we're trying to I think you naturally know if you're sensitive to when you should have hard division duties. It's a delicate balance, right? Because I do think that if you go too early, you do get disconnected and you don't really you're not there to make the real time decision that needs to be made. Um, if you go. I don't know if it's necessarily too late, but everyone then just kind of waiting for you, right? Because you're you got to make that call, and if it's all kind of landing on you, you just got more decisions to make. And if it's too late, you get burnt out. I mean, yeah, the other risk. that's yeah. totally true. But it, it is interesting, at least for us, to see what founders kind of hold on to to a certain extent, because there definitely are functions. Their thing. It's their thing, and and. Like honestly, oftentimes they're uniquely qualified to do it. Like no one else could do it as well. So copy actually is one of them. Where we've got a lot of founders who they still write all the copy. All the copy still goes through them. And I know that might not be the most efficient to a certain extent, but they speak for the brand. They're like brand the true north for the brand. There. So it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that how that evolves. Like I think about um, uh, Raquel from Fourth and Heart yep. who literally design the pack, the visual identity system that you see today there would they would be nuts to go to remove that from her 
plate. Right. Right. I think we have certain skills that we wouldn't want to remove no matter how big this company gets just because we've scaled. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah Michelle, one of the things that you mentioned that was a surprise was basically the review schedule. So coming into um, the food entrepreneurship business, if you will, what's been another – what's been the, mo- the biggest surprise that you've had to date? What's been the biggest surprise? Um I think I've learned too much about food. I think, honestly, it's been I know too much about how it gets made, what mm-hmm. happens to it, what happens in stores. It, sometimes you don't want to see behind the curtain. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's scary what you'll find. And also, it's interesting being in um, baked goods and how many buyers for baked goods don't eat baked goods. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that is phenomenal. It is yeah. amazing. Like, are you the meat buyer that's a vegetarian? Like, right. It's really weird. Like, I think about if I'm going to hire someone for a job, what is your skill set? If we're hiring someone to do a, like, you know, to do photography, but they've never held a camera, right. like, I'm not going to hire. I, that I find kind of shocking. I mean, 90% of the across channels that we presented over the last 18 months, 90% of them were either on a low sugar diet or gluten free and did not eat any of the wonderful goodies that we brought. But they really? still, it's but they so still took it in. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that is that's interesting. Good. It's cause you guys wouldn't leave. It's like, yeah. Hey, we're, you're, we're not leaving here until you give us authorization. It, it's it, one thing I think is funny is that they would be like, um, you guys better not be gluten free. We haven't. We're over skewed on gluten free. But I'm personally gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's been your biggest surprise coming into this? I didn't expect it to be so rewarding uh, working on this business. It's just like it's amazing. I wake up every day and kind of pinch myself. Um, and then I was surprised at how eager or how much the category had slid from focus amongst major retailers are kind of like they had written it off. Mm -hmm. They weren't making any profit out of it. Um, wasn't throwing off a a lot of revenue for them. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it was, and then just visiting the country and stuff and, uh, helping people get really excited. I thought they would be more excited about this category and opportunity to really re-energize it. Um, I think they were after we met with them, but, but prior to that, I was surprised by them wanting to do stuff around the perimeter of the store. Which yeah. is so shocking because find me someone that doesn't have some sort of baked mix in their cabinet. Find me someone at holiday time that doesn't serve right. or deliver. Right. It's, such, it's such an easy place to make money in a store. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is going to drink a juice made from, you know, the grass from the, the, <laughs> the, the beach in the right. far. I, I don't know. You know, it's gotten a little out there in the stores. And you think that like the traditional consumer, this is such an easy place to make money. It seems yeah. kind of obvious. I mean, I, I'd say I was happily uh, um, the, the eagerness of these retailers to really re-energize the category. I didn't they expect them to be Greg. so pumped. Yeah. I mean, it was much easier selling foodsters in over the last yeah. 18 months than any other category I've been in. So so once you're getting in, how, how are you guys thinking about driving that initial trial. I think that's the other thing where we really think differently. I mean, I think there's the old idea used to be you you got your stuff in the store and then you hope people bought it. But that's not how you reach a consumer these days. These consumers are savvy. They want to know the story behind it. They want to know where it comes from. Who are the people behind it? What do you stand for? And we have such an active use of social media, which I think most companies, especially in this category, is not something that they're savvy Mm -hmm. to. I mean, on any given day, by pressing one button, we can reach six million people. That's pretty crazy. And we can give them reasons for repeat use. We, yeah. Whether you're indulgent or whether you want to make it healthier or whether you want to make it vegetarian, whatever, whatever those things are, we're giving you those reasons. And I think, again, it's giving people reasons to go back and repeat by. Um, and we know how to target them. I mean, we're creative. We think outside the box, but I'm bum. Outside the brownie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the, uh, the the basic playbook doesn't really change. I think it comes yeah. to building brands. We have to identify folks, drive awareness, get them to try it, and then fall in love with the brand. I think our secret sauce is how we are cultifying, um, that we are linking foodsters to key occasions in people's lives, whether it's that first birthday or pancake Sundays with dad or even Mother's Day and Easter. Like We're going to own all of those occasions, and the way we're doing that is through social media and that every, oh, it's such a broad thing to do. Right. Um, some of that is our, our secret. Um, the obsession that we have in connecting with influencers in an authentic way is how we uh, are going to win. A lot of brands will choose these platforms out there 
that will try and automate the identification and activation of influencers. We tried that for maybe 20 minutes. It, it doesn't work. You've got to do the grunt work of it yourself from inside the company. Uh, Halo Top is a good example of ones that are doing that pretty good. Mm-hmm. And partnerships, and, too. We were really able yeah. to partner with like-minded companies. Yeah. So uh, complementary brands like Vital Routes, uh, Vital Farm, sorry, and um, you know Organic Valley, these are all... Right. Uh, you know, f- folks, you know, complimentary brands that are helping share our message. So we've, we know what we want to say, how we want to involve ourselves in consumers' lives, and then we're pushing it through shopper marketing. We're doing it by owning the Internet. Uh, and then we will do a lot of PR. I mean, we, uh, uh, you know, I got to say, thanks to, to Sarah, we are boxing way above our weight when it comes to consumer press. And uh, that helps us uh, win and break through the clutter for sure. And I think from that, I mean, you bring up a good point in terms of influencer management. Like, how are you guys thinking about doing that when you actually peel back the onion? Is it just a very one-on-one direct relationship with your with your influencer community? We are the ones, all three of us, we DM, we go on at night, we find people that are, again, whether it's vegetarian, whether it's parents, whether it's people that love baking, finding their community and tapping into it and doing that organically by not paying, by just saying, hey, we have this product, we'd love you to try it, and Mm -hmm. we love your pictures or we love your recipes. And people get really excited. And I was a big proponent of that in the beginning we were t- looking to the other platforms i was the one that kept saying I, you guys it's just the audience is too savvy the second you write ad the second it looks phone nobody's interested anymore but you find the most popular parent in a school and have them post it and everyone else is going to make it for the little league game on sunday and you one person in an office brings it in on a friday and everyone goes over the weekend and tries to make it and it's about really connecting in and I mean I hate to use that word authentic, but in a, in a, just a genuine way. I mean the uh, we start off with a with a strategy for it, so um, we know which influencer segments we want to target, like health and fitness, or parents, or uh, some other folks, and uh, so we get this influencer segmentation done. Then we develop a reach target. How many followers do we want? How much right. engagement do we want? Engagement is key, too. It's yep. not even followers. And the authentic engagement. engagement or genuine engagement. And that, that is on message for us. And then we will budget around that. So that becomes essentially our roadmap. And then we will do the nitty-gritty work of DMing uh, uh, um, you know, people that are within the different segments. And you know, we I think we do think we're doing a social service that... Uh, you know, we're solving a problem for these folks and we get the response, which is great. They're like, oh, yes, I'm having to use these legacy brands because it's all my kid will eat. Thank right. you for not punishing their taste buds, keeping it convenient, keeping it accessibly priced. We're checking all those boxes for um, these recipients and then it m- makes it much easier. And then the, the personal contact is um, what really helps. Do you do you find that most consumers are you? Are they switching into food stores, or are you bringing consumers back to the baking aisle? Both. 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 We have to go after both. Because people who have given up on it because they don't realize that there's a better option that's right. affordable. I think for so long there were these sort of – we call them like hippy-dippy, you know, $10 a box. And then I would make them, and my husband and my kids would be like, I'm not eating that. <laughs> but what's funny now is that my kids won't eat the junk stuff. If we go to a birthday party yeah. and they serve something like that, my kids will, will come to me and they'll be like – Mommy, we, we couldn't eat it. Could we? Is it okay? Like they just—they know the difference in the taste, and I think that's the beauty of it. Is once you really taste these ingredients, and we've used that authentic one-on-one relationship as well when it comes to sourcing our ingredients. We have direct relationships with everybody that we source these ingredients from. We do not go through brokers or middlemen. We have identified the flour, the chocolate, the sh- whatever those things are, and we have made sure. And again, the three of us on the road go there and meet with these people and work these deals so that again we can have access to, as Greg likes to say, boxing above our weight in terms of um, the ingredients that we're, we have access to. I like the um, those lapsed users in the category were using bakery as their source of these types of items. When the local bakery started carrying organic cookies, brownies, or cakes, they were going to them, but those are super expensive mm-hmm. and sometimes all the way convenient versus what you can do with a quick scratch mix. Yep. So we are bringing users back into the category that have left it because – it wasn't meeting their needs. Most of it around the chemical side, and the time um, factor. Too. And the time We've factor really made it simpler. And then, uh, yeah, and then we're obviously going to be sourcing volume from the forest loyalists, as Sarah Michelle brought up. Well, tell us about some of the innovation. I mean, I think you kind of started with Gen One of, of cleaning cleaning things up while making it taste awesome. But it sounds like there's some 
new innovation that has come out and some other things to come? Well, we just announced our organic mug, minute mug cakes, which is we saw, again, the popularity of people wanting, you know, faster these treats, whether it's after school or at 4 o'clock at work or, after, or just because you want something sweet. Um, but those were all just full of chemicals. So we spent the last year really figuring out how we could bring our ingredients and our taste quality because if we can't meet that level, we won't, we won't do it. I mean, we were discussing yesterday sourcing a celebration. We have the only celebration that's fully organic because to get those sprinkles certified organic is literally virtually impossible. Um, so I'm very proud to say that we have the only organic yeah. celebration kit. And it tastes amazing. It really does. I think so we're trying to clean up comfort food. Yeah. And uh, we do that through the oven, eventually the stovetop. Uh, we've always thought of ourselves as a platform brand. Um, that can span categories, but there's so much runway in baking. So we've got our classic mixes, you know, cookies, brownies, and um, cakes. And then we've got these mug cakes, which is personal indulgence just brought to a whole new level. Um, the fact that it's quick, portable, tastes amazing, um, made with clean ingredients is awesome. And it doesn't break your bank. I mean, when you're thinking about, you know, it's basically $1.50 per pouch. It's great for trial. Um, so. And it's amazing for trial. And then we're – because when this – you know, we're – also extending into a new format that we'll be announcing next week at Expo. I think there's a release going out tomorrow, actually, uh, which is Bake Your Own Bars. So the first so much ever, for the reveal. So much for the reveal well, for next week. We're not live, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah. perfect. By the time we're this gonna, comes out, you'll we, be out. We're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna hustle this one out. Yeah, yeah. just to break some news. But so. I think that was what does that mean? That, yeah. Wait. So our, our obsession has always been solving these problems out of the kitchen, you know, and, and as our on our quest to clean up comfort food. So this. Personal indulgence being taken care of, and now we want to clean up the lunchbox. So uh, imagine those ready-to-eat, chewy granola bars right. that are in that other aisle. Yep. Um, first of all, they're expensive. They're made of junk and over-manufactured. They don't taste great. So there's and they these, produce a lot of waste. And there's a lot of waste. There's a, there's a pain point there, several of them amongst consumers. Well, we solved all of them with Bake Your Own Bars. So uh, you get 12 bars for the same price as six ready-to-eat bars. It takes 25 minutes and some water, and uh, you have... It's all done. And then uh, same or better nutrition than those ready-to-eat bars. And then because you've made them yourself, the freshness is just unbelievable in terms of the sensory and taste experience. And then you can use that throughout the week, you know, whether it's in the lunchbox, yeah. after school. And so we've addressed all those pain points in that category across the board, cost, ingredients, great taste. The portability is there. And, uh, and we think of it as a great opportunity. We've been sharing it around with a few folks. Uh, it'll be exclusive at Whole Foods for a little bit. And, uh, they, you know, they kind of took it on the spot. Is it also awesome. as a new space? And is baking aisle? or It'll be in the baking aisle, okay. you know, so people will go down there who are already baking. Right. And this will be something that they would, you know, make for themselves and their families. But you also control the size, too, which is nice. Like, That's I have true. a younger child, an older child, and a husband, right? My husband likes a big bar when he, like, takes it in the car with him before he goes to the gym. But my son is five. He just needs a little bar in his lunchbox. Yep. So, again, we're, we're controlling. It's portion yeah. control as That's well, true. which I think. And then, again, we're going to use our same strategy of releasing different recipes you can make. Do you want to put chia seeds in it? Do you want to put chocolate chips? Do you want to make it indulgent? Can you take peanut butter to your school? Can you, you know, what are those um, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's stand-up gusset bag. It's got the mix in there. And then you uh, add some water uh, into a bowl and then throw it into a pan. And then bake it out and then cut it into rectangles, into uh, 12 little rectangles. Can't wait to try it next yeah. week. Yeah, we, I, I mean, I think we're all pumped. And then we've got other ideas down there as we say, all right, well, let's look around the store. Right. Let's look at consumers. What other problems can we solve out of baking? There is... We've talked a lot of the whole brand has been about helping people connect to themselves and the ones they love. And in 25 minutes, you feel like you've created something and it's an extremely rewarding experience. Not everybody can get these things sent to your house that you make or they can afford that, you know, or uh, they want everything that's ready to eat. You know, sometimes you want to get back in the kitchen and feel like you created it. It makes you feel closer to the food well, that you're feeding yourself and the ones you love. And as an adult, you know, we have those memories, whether it's your grandparents, your parents of baking and all that. And we've sort of taken that away from these children. The only time they bake is on like a game on their you know, right. iPad. <laughs> what are those moments when you really connect, when you're offline? They all happen around food. They happen in the kitchen and it opens conversations. You know, it's about where the food comes from, where the ingredients come from. What does it do? To, like, it's just... You know, you have to pay attention. Those phones go down. So we really look at it as not just solving problems, but creating memories, memories that 
you take with you. And some of those innovations, are they actually coming from consumers or is this more coming from your guys' guts? We are the consumers. I I think that's that's the beauty of it, too, is we're solving our own problems. Yeah. And that's how it all started, really. We actually eat sweets. Yeah. We we eat gluten and sugar and... Yeah. I think the... uh, We want it to taste good and clean it up. Yeah. Sarah Michelle and Glee are the most innovative people I've ever met. So all the ideas originate from within uh, foodsters, and then we go vet them, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of art and science. So we'll talk to stakeholders like Bill Weiland or uh, other folks, buyer John Lawson, you know, the Whole Foods buyer in Northeast. These other folks that really know what's uh, where the gaps are in the marketplace and then we'll look at leading edge bakeries and other places where we uh, see something pop up on a menu We're like hey, you know what that validates what we think we should be going into and then obviously looking at syndicated data to see what's moving not moving where the gaps are so put all of that in the mix master and then um you know some of it also we do a lot of listening with consumers so we have uh, you know there's you know i think it's called facebook and, My, MySpace. Uh, we use MySpace a lot. MySpace. Oh, Friendster. 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 That's right. Tinder. That's it's right. Grinder. There, there's a couple of tools out there like Mention or Rival IQ, and yeah. you get this great report, and it tells you everything you want to know about what's popping on Google or uh, Pinterest. And again, I don't think you can use any of those outside sources to come up with ideas and decision make. You, you to be a, a powerful brand. Like think about again, GT's kombucha. All those ideas are his. Yeah, um, and so we are, have that in. It's just a data point. It's right. a data point, and I think we're, we're lucky that we've got idea uh, machines at work, and so far so good. I it's mean, extra proof to your thesis. You can't yeah. live by it. It can't be your deciding factor. It can't be your sole motivation. But it certainly is. Like, okay, we're on. We're on to something. I mean, yeah. if that was it, then everybody would have access to it, and there would be no secret sauce, basically. So no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Switching gears for me. I mean. Do you think you're helping pioneer kind of a, a new era of entrepreneurship of direct celebrity involvement and co-founding of a brand at this at the level that you're that you're clearly a part of here? You know, I think it it I'm, it really started with Jessica with Honest of yeah. really day in day out, and what that started to prove was audiences again know the difference. They know the difference between someone that's paid to be photographed with a product or shoot a commercial for it, or someone that can speak at every level of a company and blood, sweat, and tears. And um, I, I hope that, and I think that's the direction that it's really going in because actors are capable of so much more, but we also do have that great communication with our audience. So it's a, it's a, I think it's a great use, but you have to be willing to commit. And the thing is, actors have a pretty cush life. Like, it's a pretty easy life. Entrepreneurship is way harder than, <laughs> than an actor. You really have to take a look and say, I'm willing to do this because it's not for everyone. Are you finding that you're becoming a, a go-to of, hey, what's it like to be a, a, a CPG entrepreneur? I do get asked that a lot. Yeah. I, a lot of people before they sort of sign on, you know, and it's also, it's, it's also more for the other founders too. You know, is yeah. it a partnership that works? Is this person really committed? Do they think they can commit to it and then turn around six months later and go, this is way too hard. <laughs> like I need to sit in my trailer and have someone, you know, polish my nails and, and bring me food. Um, so it's it is it's a very different and it's a it's a time commitment. It, your whole family has to commit to it. You know, it is an a twenty four seven. Do you look at it as an either or? Do you do you feel like it can be done where there's still a where, where you can be a full time actor and a full time entrepreneur, or is there a choice that has to be made? I don't think in the beginning. I yeah. don't. I I think that you know maybe later on. Absolutely. When you can start, what, like we were speaking about earlier, when you can start to delegate, when you can start, I think there's absolutely a place where right. you can do both. And then all it does is bring more viability, more access, more notoriety to your product as well. But I don't think in the beginning stages, I don't think it's possible. Just There's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah, right? there, it's, just, it's just not. Your, your commitment would be way too split. Right after the break, we'll talk more with our guests, co-founders of Foodsters, Greg Fleischman, and Sarah Michelle Geller. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can catch up on all our episodes at unfinishedbiz.com and chat with us on Twitter at unfin underscore biz. Subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or any podcast app of your choice. If you like the show, leave us a review. We love the feedback. And now, back to our episode with Foodster's co-founders, Sarah Michelle Geller and Greg Fleischman. Up until now, has there been a bet the company moment for either of you? Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think for, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, 
all of the 7,500 stores that Foodsters got from Target to Kroger to Safeway, um, Sprouts, they all came at once. So, uh, you know, between October and November 2017, they were all rolling out, and that was a big wet building inventory, the trade promotions that go along with that, all the marketing support. Um, so pretty much every day. That was, <laughs> that was a big bet, I think, for us, and it required a little bit of a capital, um, you know, obviously investment to get to be able to support all of that. And, that was, and now we think we're just going to double it again. Yeah. <laughs> Another, in one month, we're going to double all those stores again. we got to really time. spread that out. We should really think about that. We should. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I think that is probably the big – I mean, when you think about other companies, the big bet is either on some new hire or where they've given a chunk of equity to or uh, you know, a distribution ramp up or something that they did on the manufacturing side. Um, you so, can hire people? Yeah, we can hire a couple – well, interns, only interns. interns <laughs> that's right. In- interns and family members, it's basically yes. it. I think that's probably what do you what do you think? think? I mean, every day feels like a a, yeah. a big gamble. Every day, I mean, we definitely take on more than I think anyone would think is sane. But somehow we manage to do it and do it gracefully and succeed and just add more. I mean, I look at our numbers right now. You know, as of December, it was seventy five hundred stores. We're about to add another eight thousand plus this month, and then another twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred after. I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, it's not, we're not spreading the peanut butter too thin. I mean, the Starbucks is a very strategic move and it's yeah, somewhat low maintenance. The, I would say, yeah, every day it feels like we, I mean, that's the way you should look at it. There should be some bet every day right. yeah. that, that you make. And there it's might major be. major of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be some whale of it. I actually don't per, like it when companies have to make some major bet because that, I mean, it's like going to Vegas, you know, I don't think that makes sense to bet everything. Isn't the bet the company? Yeah. Isn't that the bet? I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're giving up a cush job, right? You're giving up a, a lifestyle mm-hmm. to go do the grunt work. So I feel like that's the bet. I mean, the, there was a, you know, we did, um, we're, you know, our ingredients are very important. Everybody says, oh, their product tastes amazing. Well, we obsess over, you know, trying 30 different kinds of flour and chocolate chips and, and, and sweetener. And uh, we made a trip down to Peru um, and bought... <laughs> A shit ton Lots of, of chocolate, <laughs> and, and then literally, and I remember thinking, "Oh no, this that that had to be the most uh, gro- you know particularly angst-ridden two weeks because we had met them, um, and uh, you know the way that it is when you're buying directly from small family farms yeah. in Peru is." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you have to prepay them. Then they put it on a container oh, wow. and ship it up to North America. And I remember thinking, this is our by far and away our largest spend to date. And uh, it was building towards our first million unit run that we did in November last year. We yeah. got a lot of points for diners. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> nice. And I remember, like, thankfully, at, at minimum, you could uh, you can go travel on those points. I mean, it, it, and that happened a little bit at Samazon, you know, when yeah. you're buying acai from yeah. people that ride the butt up the dock. But I was like, you know, at least there we had like some special insurance. Some insurance right. folks we talked to, we're not touching that. And I was like, what if we open the container and it got, you know, condensation and it's all. Well, like- especially with chocolate coming from South oh, yeah. America because yeah. there's obviously another. Um, substance other, that comes from other, South America that, 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 that yeah, that's right. that, uh, Yerba Mate. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what I was right. thinking of. That, that was what I was referring to. Uh, ayahuasca. The, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, so uh, we did all the checks you can possibly do, aside from sending someone down there. Just we actually to put Greg in the box. Yes. <laughs> yeah, did you ride back on the boat? You had yeah, to, no, inside, in the inside the container. You had, you had to eat your way out. I had a little oxygen tank. <laughs> I just ate only chocolate. But that was a good, that was a good one. They've become fantastic partners. I mean, who knew in Peru how big of fans they are, Sarah? Of Greg's. Michelle's. I mean, we they wouldn't take our call. They're like, we don't need to talk to you. Like, we can sell to anybody in the world. And they, uh, I, we were like, check us out. We're going to be a big deal. Be a partner with us, you know, using our typical, you know, don't take no for an answer. And they said, no, no, no. And then they looked at our website and saw Sarah Michelle's involved. And they called right back. And they're like, come down. You know, they didn't even say come down. They were like, we, we want to work with you. And then within three weeks, we went down to Peru. What? And struck this amazing, one of our best agreements in the history of the company. What have been the top three moments where you've pulled the Sarah Michelle Geller card and it's gotten you, <laughs> it's gotten you something that you normally, we get, to, we, get, we get to board the airplane uh, first. <laughs> this morning, getting into the building. <laughs> ah. 
that's a good. That's yeah, a good. What, what, yeah. what have been the best uses of the Sarah Michelle Gellar well, I'm card? I'm actually curious. I know there's so many. I mean, I think well, one. You probably have them. So like, he, he's an observer of all this. This is. I'm, um, I'm just, we got dinner reservations in Peru. That was really hard. I mean, there has been some amazing things that we've gotten that we would never have gotten. Um, well, so. Um, you know, think about sales, operations, finance, marketing, and all these yeah. places are even getting new employees. And mm-hmm. uh, one definitely on the sales side. I can, when I think about all the account, and I have a pretty decent network in the industry, and I was um, remembering running into these roadblocks. So when I think about all, I won't name the accounts, but when yeah. I think about uh, all of our distribution, the, the I would say the majority. I won't say any one because yeah. it was a. Right. It, well, I was going to say it was an aggregate of all of these. We would never have gotten the distribution that we got in the period that we got had uh, Sarah not uh, been involved in the business. They were just like, you know what? There's a million of these baking brands calling us, and we're we don't we don't need to talk to you. Um, so I think. Yeah, I, I would say on the sales side, there are a couple. I even think small small regional players, like I would say Whole Foods Midwest as an example. Uh, they would, as much as I know those guys, they would never have met with us. And, uh, you know, we flew out there and we were planning on parking ourselves in their office. And then when they found out uh, Sarah was there, they took the meeting on the spot, which, you know, they normally have to plan around meetings, right. mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Uh, Fresh Time was another one, speaking of the Midwest. I think it's also um, more that I don't know the rules, yeah, so I yeah. can ask for things that other people can't get away with. So, like, if I feel a meeting's going well, I'll just start asking for the moon. And if it goes downhill, we can blame it on my inexperience, which is, I guess I shouldn't spill this. Cause I, was, I was about to say. In this retail buyer <laughs> constituency right? of unfinished biz. Exactly. You just cats out of the bag. Gave up your secret. Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I have no shame. I'll ask. What's the worst? This is my theory. What's the worst they could say? No. no. It's- Totally I, true. I, you know, the it's it was I not I didn't really answer the question because it happens every day. I think, uh, and it's the way we should be doing it. Um, uh, but I would say, I was thinking our largest customer we would never have gotten had we uh, had we not picked up the call. And then I was going to say the Peruvian, you know, big deal, like easily the highest quality chocolate you can find anywhere on the planet at the best cost. It's a huge competitive advantage for us. Would never have gotten that. Uh, Without um, Sarah Michelle, and then there was a well, the sugar, the biodynamic sugar. Yeah, the biodynamic sugar is another one. So uh, we that was went, a combination too, though, because that you being on the board of Demeter was well. I would say wholesome sweeteners. So we, but biodynamic sugar is oftentimes four times the cost of organic uh, sugar. When they found out Sarah was connected to the business, they knew that would be an opportunity to promote wholesome biodynamic, and that helped us ink a partnership and get some amazing costing on that stuff so and um, by the way you've asked me how many times a day i drop how many linkedin followers greg fleischman has because yeah. that gets me in a lot of doors too i'm just saying <laughs> yeah i think it helps I oh think. and on the pr side i was thinking like uh yeah there's some some stuff that's coming out that uh we wouldn't have gotten what else i don't know we get good tables at we get to board first on planes that helps <laughs> <laughs> and the restaurant like we were in where were we uh tampa <laughs> I mean, have you ever, ever been to Tampa? Um, we were meeting. It works at Outback Steakhouse. Oh yeah. my god, we were. That has to. Be, I am a huge Outback. I wish I could. I wish I could talk about that entire trip because oh it was so. It was such a disaster. It was so <laughs> surreal. But I remember, like everybody kept saying, "You have to go to this place. It's got what were they called? The dessert pods. Pods. They were made out of recycled Wine, uh, oak, oak barrels, yeah. and they were like, you absolutely have to go to this.' It's place. a three-hour wait. It's a two-week wait for a table." And we were like, we have to get in there. And then they finally recognized uh, Sarah, and then we got a seat, and it was completely horrible. <laughs> oh, really? That was, that was, oh, that was the punchline? Oh, well, my goodness. I oh, my I God. Eat, I didn't eat one thing. Oh, my God. I, I didn't eat one thing. I mean, it was such an it experience. Was, it was so I was like, bad. oh, my God, this is amazing. And there's, like, a phone, and there's a piano person playing. You can request stuff. And it was, like, awesome. And then they do, like, Bananas Foster, and they're flambing. I was like, and they've got custom... Ice cream. Needless to say, I went to Grader's and got a scoop in Cincinnati the next day and was way happier. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Needless to say, we also never clearly be getting a table in that restaurant. (laughs) That's right. That's That's okay. I didn't name them, did I? It doesn't matter. I'm not. I'll I'll live my life. I'll be okay. Yeah. I went completely off script. What's the. (laughs) Is there a particular low point in the journey? I mean, it sounds like there's been some awesome times, but. Anything yeah, in- we get discouraged a lot. You know, it's exhausting on our bodies. We're not a lot of these founders yeah. are twenty two and we're not. 
And we have kids and families, and, you know, it's a sacrifice. The other day we were away. It was his daughter's birthday, but it was the only day that, you know, we could do stuff. I think the sacrifice is is tremendous. Um, And things don't always work the way we want it to, you know, just because – a, a Whole Foods Global or one of these big companies, you know, says we get distribution. It doesn't mean that on the store merchandising level that the, some store doesn't put us on the lowest level possible right. or mm-hmm. puts a sign in front of our display. And I mean, it's you know, it's frustrating to not have that control. I think the, the um, I think everything that we're doing to grow this business has its challenges that aren't all that atypical from other um, people trying to grow their business. So it's you can't really whine about it or. Or, or um, you know, think of it as unexpected. I think for me, the low points are being away from family at critical times. Like that really bums me out. I always talk about mother's guilt. Well, parent, father's guilt is a very real thing, and I it feel like a total be called, asshole being be away from my parents' kid. guilt. Yeah. I mean, I have. Uh, yeah, it's parent. It, we should call it parents' guilt. Uh, I feel but like people it, don't. We never. We, we ne- it's like. You don't ever hear about it. Say the dad's guilt. I mean, it, it's it's so real, and it, it does. You know, when I we're out there, I mean, we have we've had. I mean, I'd spend the most amazing experience in yeah. my career, I think, and it's just been so fulfilling. I'm doing it with people I really love and I'm inspired by it. It's hard to enjoy myself sometimes when we're, um, you know, when you're away from your kids. But I did, I did. Technology helps. FaceTime, yeah, FaceTime is awesome. Key and then for I, travel. I just bought like every uh, Echo device Amazon makes. So they and now they have like their version of FaceTime, which just makes it very easy. Yeah. To develop a routine where you can connect with your kids, and that uh, makes it a lot. That helps with that. Do you know I how would... many school shows we have all watched on FaceTime? <laughs> yeah. Because, FaceTime. Uh, because oh, yeah. whoever the parent is at home has to like right. put oh, up, wow. and we'll all be in a hotel room watching, you know, one person's child in the school production of Wizard of Oz. Or I feel like that's our all of our low point is probably related to being away from our kids. But we try to make it fun too. You know, we. A lot of people, when I hear these stories about you know sales, and they go and they go to the hotel room and they go to sleep, and we always make it a point to whatever city we're in. Who knows when we're going to be back in that city to do something, whether it's educational or that's the the city is known for. Right. Um, you know, we were in Minneapolis the first time for twelve hours, and I was like, we got to go to the Mall of America, like yeah. we got to go ride the zip line, and we got to do that, and we'll get up and we will go and have these experiences so that at least. The sacrifice. We have a story to come home with. Right. We haven't right. sulked in a hotel room. Oh, and then we did the go karts. Sorry, TJ, so, sorry about that. Do you know TJ Vareka? Yeah, from yeah, my, of course. Yeah, he yeah. hit me in the back going forty <laughs> oh, wow. miles an hour. It was my fault though. It I didn't was know. My you, fault. I didn't know you were about to slander the guy, but oh, he, <laughs> no, just his driving. <laughs> he is amazing in every way, and uh, except on apparently the not a good driver. He's actually yeah. there. There are a broker on, for Target, but he uh, he is just I, I love the guy, but um, he really loves. Uh, bashing people with this car. In the, in their defense, I missed the first turn, and I stopped. And then Galit hit me. Then Greg hit Galit, but he was coming around the fastest. And then he took Greg out. So yeah. In his defense, but that was at Mall of America where they have an amazing go kart. Two What's, levels. Sounds like it worked better. Worked out a little bit better than Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, anything that's uh, keeping you up at night? It just seems like it's harder these days to find. Um, and and integrate really good talent. Now I hear it as the number one complaint across all these fifty brands that I know, and that that, that keeps us up. I mean, it's a competitive marketplace out there for sure. Yeah, I mean, people are offering. I think the work ethic you, has also changed a lot. Oh yeah, people are always people in their side hustles. <laughs> yeah, and people jump around so much more at this point than they used to. It feels it's, like. It's, I I I actually wish it was at least when I was coming up. It really was negative if you. We're only if you were this journey right. person, you know, right. uh, flip flopping around. I wish we could get back to that a little bit. I mean, we we're encouraging people uh, we're by to flip around, and we shouldn't because it's you make this investment, and bring people on, and they're like, I think I think our two big questions when we're interviewing people are, uh, what's your favorite meme? You learn a lot, which could also explain why we're not getting the best hires. But yes. saying, I love that that's yeah, one of your interview questions. It, it's great, it is, and it tells a lot. Like first, <laughs> first of all, if they're like, what's a meme? That's a good one. No, then or, I hire them. If they say what's a meme, you're hired. Yeah. It means you're not spending all your days, yeah, exactly. like, on social media, great. hunting hunting for memes. Great. That's right. Hired. I think the other thing is uh, when we're like, uh, what's your side hustle? You know, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm going to come work at your company, and then I'm going to be a yoga instructor on the side, or I'm going to, uh, you know, come up with the next spaceship." You know, then we're like, "Okay, well, if you're a startup, I'm sorry, you need people to focus. Right? They can have yeah. a hobby as long as that hobby is learning everything about the category." <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What, what keeps you up at night? I mean, everything. I don't sleep. None of us sleep. We are the no. worst. We, we are the three. We do not sleep. 
our, the emails go back. I turn my phone off, so I don't always, but I see these two going back and forth at like 2, 3 in the morning it's all fun. the time. You wake up in the morning, it's... Oh, yeah, every oh, morning. Oh, that's right. That's why I turn it off, because otherwise I'm like, forget it. And then once you get into like the text chain with them, then you can't go to sleep. Right. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm turning it off. Especially when the memes start flying. So, Robin, what's your favorite meme? I like Crying Jordan. I didn't even know what a meme was. I know what Crying Jordan is, but I didn't even know that was a meme. I will vouch for that. Wayne had no idea what a meme was until he actually literally came up with that line two seconds ago. See, but the fact that you know what a meme is, you wouldn't be hired at Foodsters. That's true. That's true. You know, pluses and minuses. But um, for Sarah Michelle, Greg, and Galit, one of the things that I found really interesting is that, you know, unlike most other co-founders, they focus on everything together. So they're actually sort of making decisions in a, you know, more of a, a consensus rule uh, than anything else. And most of the time that doesn't happen. The other thing you don't see very much in this industry are celebrities truly being part of the brand. Typically, they're just a spokesperson. But Sarah Michelle is a whole nother breed that we haven't seen. She's involved in every little detail from hiring new junior members uh, as part of the crew, but also traveling with as a team, the three of them, across the country to trade shows, retailers. In fact, that's where I often run into all three of them. And it's not surprising that outside of that, they're spending that time with their family. Not a lot of free time these days. I read a lot. Yeah. I'm always, you can always find me with a book. Yeah. Um, I work out. Yeah. I punch things. Punch things. <laughs> MMA? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Totally. yeah. Karate. Yeah. In the cage. The uh, MMA in the cage. Yeah. I spend all my free time with my family as much as I can. So, uh, I love work. I mean, we all three of us, I think, are similar. But, uh, work doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like you need to take a vacation from it or that you need a hobby to decompress. Well, a vacation does sound I think the things that we do are helping us refine our ability to be better and more successful at, at Foodsters. Um, but I think any free time that we have, it's spending it with quality time with, um, with the family, for sure. I like to read, too. All right. So our signature game, 60 seconds first thing that comes to your mind remember you can say pass but we'll hold it against you um you ready sure all right first thing that you read every day is usa today what's your favorite movie cruel intentions <laughs> who's your celebrity crush sarah michelle geller nice karaoke, karaoke song you're most likely to belt out uh total eclipse of the heart your hometown is famous for uh orange julius what's your guilty pleasure uh survivor first car you ever drove a uh, BMW. Runner-up <laughs> name for your business that didn't make the cut. It was always Foodsters. Do you recline on airplanes? No, that's rude. <laughs> if you could drink one thing for the rest of your life besides water, what do you choose? Coffee. Last New Year's resolution. Ugh, I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> if you can be stranded on an island and you can only bring one thing, what would it be? My family. Last hashtag you used? Uh, mug life. Next place you'd like to travel? Uh, Africa. If a movie was made of your life, you'd be played by... Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. Jr. I would watch that. Talent you don't have, but wish you did. Uh, Broadway singer. Most hated food. Oh, my God. Broccoli. If you could be a pro athlete, who would you be? Oh, uh, goodness. John Cena. <laughs> Political issue you care about most? Uh, uh, immigration. Oh, this is good. Favorite TV show ever? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Last week, have you looked at your phone while driving? Yes. No. <laughs> Do you peek at your seatmate's laptop on a plane? Every day, it's Greg. What's your go-to exercise? <laughs> oh, my God. Pilates. Running. <laughs> Emoji you're most likely to use? Happy face. Biggie or Tupac? Oh, that was All time. Tupac. Wow. Just, just record. Or too biggie. Yeah. All right, last question. So for all our budding entrepreneurs out there, any words of wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> Um, just take a deep look inside. You know, is this something you really feel you can make the sacrifice to do? Because the reward is great, but the sacrifice could be greater. Yeah, I would say that there are quite a bit of entrepreneurs that get into it and think, I didn't know it was going to be all this work. I didn't have to give up this much. So do the, your own self-evaluation. And then uh, you hear this a lot. It is so critical that you surround yourself with experts, a good cross-section, not people-pleasers. You see a lot of people that surround themselves with people that are just designed to make them feel better. Don't do that. Get people that will challenge you. Greg Fleischman and Sarah Michelle Geller, thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. Yes, thank you. 
You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Wayne. And I'm Robin. We'll be back on the next episode with Jillian Michaels and Giancarlo Cersich, co-CEOs of Lucky Jack, a bottled organic cold brew coffee that's infused with nitrogen for a frothy head. But this isn't the first go-around for these two partners, and they've learned along the way that success doesn't take away the sticker shock when you're a serial entrepreneur. Frothy head? Right now, we're having to do it where it's it's all us. So like it used to be we'd have millions coming in through licensing, endorsements, and selling content. Now, all we do is put millions out. Literally, I'm like, oh my God, I gotta fund this company. <laughs> I literally am like, oh my God, and my money guy's having a heart attack because every five seconds they're like, we're going to approve this wire for $300,000. That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com.